Welcome back to the LGBTQ scuba diving experience, a podcast that explores the underwater experience of queer people, what it means to be underwater as a queer person, what it means to dive, what it means to go beyond 300 feet of depth, while also being open to um, engaging different sexes and genders. So that's uh, something that we're going to talk about today. Um, We are going to talk today about a really interesting topic, which is the first bisexual orgy that has ever occurred at depth. Uh, A lot of people think that it happened on a Russian submarine during the Cold War in about 1976. Uh, That has been dispelled as a myth. Uh, Multiple men from the sub have come out and said that that, in fact, was a hoax and was American military propaganda. Um, So that can no longer be credited as the first bisexual orgy under the water. But we can confirm that um, Brittany Griner, WNBA star, along with uh, Caitlyn Jenner, um, and also... Uh, just a sort of a coincidence, a 22-year-old man named Bruce Jenner, no relation, legal name, um, they all went down to about uh, 300 feet under the water um, using a special mix of um, CO2 and oxygen. Um, sorry, hydrogen, I think. I'm not fully familiar. I've never dove... Uh, although I do host the podcast, but they went down with special suits um, that would unzip while still sealing uh, as to holes and dicks were present at depth. Um, remarkably, Bruce was able to get his penis hard um, while Brittany and Caitlin um, fingered each other. And then they had sex. Um and uh, Bruce actually penetrated both of them, which was also a landmark because Brittany, um, I believe, is a lesbian. Um, but, you know, sort of similar to the space race, people made sacrifices to implant their names into the annals of history. So, pretty interesting stuff, really exciting stuff. They were down there for a remarkable four hours, uh, much longer than they needed to be. It was expected to be a three-minute, sorry, 30-minute operation down there, an hour and a half total, 30 down, 30 down there, and then 30 up, but they stayed down for quite a while, Um, actually risking their lives, came up just in the nick of time to decompress with enough oxygen to spare without drowning. Um, Quite a miraculous feat that is um, being found to be controversial by a lot of people in the dive community. A lot of people say that diving is not about coming. Uh, But a lot of people on the other side are saying that if it was three straight people or three cis people then it would be totally fine and normal. 
Um, obviously, there's been underwater straight marriages. We have yet to see an underwater gay marriage. So what was sort of a rah-rah, a parade, is now turning into, you know, once again, the LGBTQ community fighting for its space in a, in another industry. Now it's diving, you know. Um, people are upset. People said that um, it was wrong of Brittany and Kaylin and Bruce to have sex near uh, the migrating juvenile cod. Um, a lot of people are saying that a, a juvenile cod or even an adult cod is not able to recognize human sex, let alone be influenced or impacted by it at all. A lot of other people, surprisingly, are coming out to the contrary. So it's becoming a big debate. Um, and this was something that Diane Feinstein kind of oversaw for years, sexuality and scuba diving. And now that she's dead, sort of a lot of people are looking for a new person to lead the conversation. Um, whether or not they really have much experience or an opinion with it, there's sort of no moderator for these discussions, and it's leaving a lot of people in open water, um, it could be said. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of debate, and there's a lot of hearsay, and a lot of different things flying around about what happened down there whether or not it was right, whether or not it was a step forward, whether or not it was a step that needed to be taken. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, they did it for excellence, they did it for exploration, and they did it in honor of the hundreds of thousands of gay and bisexual, mostly men, that have attempted to have sex in underwater caves. They chose to have the orgy in open water um, because it was a lot safer than cave diving. But as we all know, cave diving, cave diving, and um, and gay sex have been intertwined almost from the start. You can't really talk about cave diving without talking about guys like Leroy Thomas, guys like Ben Hamlin, guys like Justin James, who got into the sport because they said that if you can wiggle your way into a cave, you know, have to take the tank off your back and push it through, you know, a hole just this big and push it through and get into an underwater cavern with silt dust coming up, if you can get through all that, and you can stroke a man's penis, even if it's over the wetsuit, that that is close to touching God. Um, and really, it's interesting, because it's a result of homophobia. A lot of people don't realize that, that the reason most cave divers are only cave divers because they want to have gay sex in a dark, secluded cave is because they weren't accepted in the mainstream. So for years, lots of gay dating happened in underwater caves. And that's why the most premier cave divers in the world are gay men, because they would plan for months and months 
expeditions in places like the Takawita Taverns in um, Peru and the and the Mahakta Cave in Chile. They planned for months these expeditions to go down there, um, wiggle their way through the cave. You know, once again, the chance of survival is, you know, sometimes only 60%. Um, hopefully find an air pocket and then just, you know, go to town on each other for as long as the air in that air pocket lasted. A lot of people don't know that, you know. A lot of people think that, you know, barebacking in Central Park was the extent to which gay men were pushed to the fringes of society. But this this connection between cave diving and gay sex is irrefutable, and it tells you something about the landscape that many gay men did and in many ways still exist in even in a progressive country like America. And, you know, I think a lot of people just don't want to realize that. I think they like to brush it off. I think they like to act like cave diving is cave diving and gay sex is gay sex, and they have nothing to do with each other. And, you know, that's not true. Um, And the problem is that when you deny that, you put people in danger. First off, there are a lot of gay men that don't want to cave dive, that are world-class cave divers, because they think it's the only way they can have sex. Also, you're, you, you begin to protect predators. Now, I'm not going to make a link between gay men and pedophiles, but that soccer team in, I think, Chile or Thailand, somewhere, you remember the soccer team, the coach led them into a cave you know, do the math on that one. Uh, that man should be brought to justice. You know what I mean? And once again, I'm not linking gay people and pedophiles. I'm just saying um, there's a reason that guy had been in that cave before, and um, he's a pedophile. So that's, you know, and if we just ignore all of that, if we ignore the blatant homophobia in America and what it leads people to do, then it puts gay men in danger. And it also protects the lives and reputations of people like pedophiles that try to exploit that same economy, you know? Um, So it goes from, you know, two guys dying in a cave, which is tragic, to one pedophile now endangering the lives of 13 soccer players. So that's something to think about, you know what I mean? Something to talk about, it's something to be said, and that is why I have started the foundation get the gays out of the caves because you know as much as gay men have mapped more underwater caves than anyone else on earth and how you know that is a great achievement um it shouldn't be the standard way that gay men have sex because it puts them in danger and i and i don't believe that gay men should have to live in a world where they think the only way to have sex with a man is to cave dive because it's not it's just not safe okay it's not safe there are beds they don't have to go to a cave you know i mean it's it's no coincidence that if you go to a dive school i mean the place practically looks like a musical theater camp i mean you see some of 
just the most flamboyant queens in the world. And you want to tell them, you don't have to do this because out of 10 of them, five of them could be dead within the next five years from diving. So, you know, that's just, that's something to think about, you know? But I don't know. In a lot of ways, you know, gay men have driven the world, you know? Like, there's a reason that Hawaii has people on it. Uh, it's because native tribes along what is now known as the California coast um, were just chock full of gay guys. Uh, the West Coast has always been gay, even in days before white settlers even knew what America was. Um, tons of gay Native Americans, and they wanted to fuck each other. Um, and there just wasn't enough... You know, they didn't feel that they'd be accepted. There wasn't enough places to really hide out and do it. Um, and so they got on boats and rowed. And just 12 gay guys just rowing and rowing and rowing until they reached, a, you know, beautiful, beautiful islands. Um, pretty soon, an issue arose where they realized that a population of purely gay men was not sustainable. So what they did was got straight men to come out with their wives and their families and come and, and to, to populate the island. And, you know, of course, they would, they would turn the straight men gay um, and, you know, so on and so forth until you have a, a, a beautiful place such as Hawaii um, and you know surfing is um, a sport that is credited to Hawaiians but deeper than that is credited to gay people not a lot of people know that um, you know so gay people's association with water is known documented uh, Greg Luganis one of the greatest Olympic divers of all time a gay man um, once again, diving huge in the gay community because gay men tried to see how far they could dive under the water to safely meet another man and have uh, gay sex without being found. So there's a reason that gay men set those new heights. Um, and obviously it's been itching in everybody's craw this entire time. Of course, the Navy. Um, it's, you know, known as the gayest of all the military branches. It is the most stylish. They still, to this day, wear bell-bottoms. Bunch of guys on a boat. Nothing hotter than a brig. Uh, a submarine is a penis. A torpedo is a penis. A submarine is a penis that shoots penises at other penises um, and makes them explode, i.e. coming. So, in that way, war is uh, theater. You know, war is a production um, although it is physical, people do die, it is really a metaphor for how much they just want to suck each other's cocks, you know what I mean? And, and really that goes across all service members, uh, every branch of the military. Um, you know, if you hear like a Vietnam War veteran talk about how much he hates Vietnamese guys, you know, what he's really saying is, is he, is he wants to grab their small balls and feel him against his chin as their four inches is as far as I can go into his mouth. You know what I mean? And that's 
why a lot of guys, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, Vietnam veterans look back remorsefully. They'll say, you know, they had unfinished business there, and they lie and say that, you know, maybe they couldn't save their friends or or this or you know, there's regrets or because we kind of lost the war. But what they what they really mean, if they're talking about regret at all, is that they never let a man inside of them while in Vietnam. Um, and that's just a fact, you know, I mean, and the metaphors are clear and obvious, you know, apocalypse now going deeper and deeper into Vietnam's jungle, things get scary, they get confusing, roles are switched, identities are questioned, who am I, what am I doing here? What's the point of being here? Maybe in all this fucked up mess is where I've found myself. And maybe I'm not happy to have found myself here, but I have to confront that I have. And so, you know, obviously the river is a man's asshole and you're going deeper and deeper into it until you find a fat, slobby Marlon Brando who you reluctantly yet willingly allow inside of you. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, I could go on for hours and hours about the connections between war, water, and gay men. But I mean, it's, it's obvious, you know what I mean? Saving Private Ryan and, and you know, of course, the, the, the D-Day, what inspired it is... Is very gay. A lot of guys hanging out on a beach and then a bunch of guys coming from the water trying to rush on the beach to be with those guys. It's clear. So, anyway. Um, that was a good way to start the podcast. Uh, I hope I uh, didn't offend any active duty members by saying the only reason you're in the army is to fuck men. But um, that's honestly a great reason to be in the army, though. If you... if you know, because that's like a tangible, that's like a real thing. Like if you're in the army to like preserve American freedom, there's so much business of war and things going on that that's a hard goal to really realize and, you know, be true about it all. But if you're in the army to just fuck guys and get fucked, that's a really honest, you know what I mean? It's, you're not, that's a real thing that you can do that's tangible. Um, Anyway, uh, I hope I'm blowing out your ears today. Uh, I've been heard. I've been told it is too quiet, so I kind of ramped everything up today to a point that I think might be too loud. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how any every single podcast sounds better than mine, but it means I'm definitely bad at this, um, which is clear. I mean, the podcast comes out about once every. 10 to 13 days when it's supposed to be a weekly podcast. So it's clear we're not great at the production side of it. It's also clear we have no money to get anybody who is great at it. So we're just sort of toiling away making pizzas where the toppings fall off of all of them all the time. Um, also, I am kind of coming out of a sickness, feeling under the weather. I feel like that is obvious by the way I sound, and my cardigan. Um, it is good. It's 
good to have clothes like a cardigan that you wear inside to tell yourself and anybody seeing you, i.e. on a podcast, that you are a little under the weather. Now, I'll wear this cardigan out all the time, but when you're sick, putting on a cardigan is kind of like your, um, it's like a judge's robe or a, or a karate master's gi. It's just, this is who I am today. This is what I'm doing. It's almost like the sickness is something you're doing. It's for a purpose, you know? Yeah, I really, um, I tried to attack the sickness by truly doing nothing. The last couple times I've gotten sick, I've done this stupid thing where I'll rest for like two days and then I decide I'm no longer sick. And I go, I'm just going to go out again. I'm not doing this. And you think that your body is going to like respond to your attitude like, you think that your body's going to be like, oh, shit, he's not taking any bullshit from us. Guess we won't be sick anymore. But really, your body is like, I'm on your side, and you're making me weaker, and I don't know how to use the remaining energy we have left to fight off this sickness, because you're using it to do stand-up comedy and smoke cigarettes. What the fuck are you doing, asshole? But... Since uh, since Tuesday, I have just been pretty much purely laying down. Aside from going outside to pick up a Postmates order or smoke a cigarette a couple times, which I shouldn't have, but, you know, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? Um, it's really been just hardcore laying down. And it's I've really seen results. Every day I wake up and I feel better. And my body, I think, is like, wow, thank you for um, for not thinking that you can cool guy your way out of being sick. You don't have a lot of energy. You're not very healthy to begin with. We don't have a lot of nutrients and vitamins to choose from already. But thank you for not thinking you're awesome and trying to just, I'm so cool. So, you know, now we're feeling better. I know I still sound very sick. I know I'm making a lot of mouth noises that you're probably not fans of. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. You came to the podcast. And, you know, this this might be the worst episode to listen to because you're... Hopefully it's loud as fuck. I hope it's... I hope it's annoyingly loud. I think... I turned it I turned the volume on the board up all the way up. I turned the level up as high as I could. I I'm really trying to blow out your speakers here. Um and I hope you're also uh, getting to do that while listening to my wheezing, you know? So that's that's what we're looking for. That's what we're excited about on this podcast. It is uh good to be back. I'm really hoping I'm feeling better by tomorrow. I mean, I'll feel better. I don't think I'll be perfect, though, but I hope I'm feeling a little bit better by tomorrow because I have to go to Greenville, Greensville, South Carolina, to perform at a comedy zone with Eric Griffin of Workaholics. Um, and that should be fun. I've been able to get out on the road lately. I think I talked about going to Wisconsin with Polly Shore. 
Um, and before that, I was out with Eric before that. So hopefully I can keep getting these feature gigs, keep going to different parts of America and learning more about myself and the country I live in. Um, it's, it's interesting that all of these going out, uh, doing comedy on the road, they all kind of follow a similar pattern where I, I'm a little nervous. I'll go up, do the show. It'll be good. Then maybe I'll have one show that's not as good and I just resent the entire town. And then eventually I come back and I do fine. And I'm like, no, everybody's fine. Everybody's okay. We don't need to be so angry about everything all the fucking time, Cooper. I do always catastrophize, though. I, For some reason, was laying in bed this morning thinking about going to Greensville and uh, just imagine telling my bisexual jokes and then getting shot in the leg which is like the worst possible thoughts you could have about performing stand-up to like a new group of people because you're, you're supposed to, I've talked about this before, but you're really supposed to kind of love the audience and care about them and want them to have a good time. And if for no reason at all you are already conjuring up scenarios in which they commit hate crimes against you for something that in real life they will not care about really in the slightest. You're setting up a bad playbook for your brain to follow. And I think there's a lot of subtle yet not so subtle aggressiveness that will then be displayed if you act that way, if you think that way. So I really got to get that out of my head. I think I'm still so afraid of America. And I think what it really is, is I don't trust myself enough as a comic yet to feel comfortable going anywhere. And I probably won't really for like 20 years. And I'm sure even after those 20 years, I won't necessarily feel confident going anywhere as much as I'll say, well, I've been somewhere similar before and it wasn't the worst thing in the world and also it doesn't matter that much to begin with so fuck it you know I think I'm at a point where all of this matters to me a lot and I haven't been there before and I don't feel confident as a comedian so it's just like you know I've I've been out and around a couple times you know and and every city in America is at its core Everybody's just people, you know, but there's just something you can really get in your head about new places that you're just like, this is not, they're going to hate me. I'm going to be in deliverance. They're going to make me squeal like a pig and they're going to hate me. And that's just a stupid way of thinking. And it's not, it's not going to get me anywhere. So, you know, I am excited for, um, for the Greensville trip. We'll see how that is. And I'm excited to meet everybody out in Greensville. If there's anybody listening to this in Greensville, um, thanks for listening. There's no fucking way there is. Um, but cause I ain't got radios there yet. See, and that's my California elitism just sinking in. What are you doing, Cooper? Do you want to, do you want to talk to America or do you only want to talk to the people around you? Dumbass. Be a nice guy. What are you doing? But, uh, I don't know. That's uh, that's something we're excited about. So that'll be good. But uh, you know, not not the best week 
to report on. Uh, I mean, I didn't do much this week. I I hosted uh, Potluck, which was tough. Uh, if you don't know, Potluck is the open mic at the comedy store, and it's like sort of a... It's like one of the toughest hosting gigs there is only because of the quantity of comics that you are hosting. Everybody does a three-minute set, and it starts off with 15 random open micers, and then you put up, I would say, about 30 door guys that work there, and then you add another 10 or so people, you know, you end up putting close to 60 comedians up doing three minutes. So you're getting up from your seat every like two minutes and 45 seconds to three and a half minutes um, to bring up a new comic. And, you know, I try and say something funny every time. And, you know, it's, it's almost like baseball where it's like, I'll get off stage and I'll be like, oh, I'm so fucking terrible at this. Like, I'm not being funny or that riff bombed and it's like you got 162 games to play the probability of mistakes is inevitable all you're looking for is just a winning record not an undefeated right that's almost impossible um but this this was a tough week because uh, I was I was under the weather I was kind of at the beginning of this of this sickness so Kind of similar to how I feel now, I'd I'd say, uh, at the end of it. But it was tough to, you know, I had a cough a couple times off stage. But, you know, up and down, up and down, I'm tired. And also, um, we only sat the first row. I mean, the place was like a quarter filled for like 75% of the entire fucking show. And the people that showed up to watch the show sucked a bag of dicks, which isn't their fault, but is their doing. You know, it's like, I don't think they did it on purpose, but they were just a terrible fucking audience. Just boring and not really understanding of their place in the in the whole thing. And uh, the first 15 comics that went up were, you know, for the most part, just dog shit and more than just dog shit were just weird and just saying fucked up which I do too but they were like just saying just fucked up shit and kind of fucked up shit that you don't even really remember you know what I mean like I just remember a lot of people of different races being very self-hating and almost racist against themselves in a way that was like edgy but not interesting and just a lot of that and that's tough because you have a bad crowd you have a debilitated host and then you have comics that are bringing nothing to the table and you can only do so much as a host because you're only up there for like 30 seconds max in between every comic unless you're a dick really milking your time you know so it's like you're kind of reliant on the comics to at least do okay. But the problem is, even if somebody does great, it's only three minutes of a very long show. So at that point, it's like n nobody can really save you. And it's, it's similar to baseball again in that it's like you can have a Ken Griffey Jr., but, you know, he's only going to bat like nine times. So it's like, what are you going to do? You know, it's, 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 you, you need the whole team to contribute something. And, you know, 
definitely was not getting it. Sorry about that. Took a little break there for a second. As you could see, I was building up with the devil's cum known as phlegm. And I could feel for the listener this getting grosser and grosser to listen to. So, I'll, you know, I'll talk for a little more. But if I'm feeling that this is kind of just gross and this is like some sort of sick ASMR that's occurring, I might just cut it off for the sake of everybody. Because I, I'd understand if 95% of people listening did not even make it this far. I'm going to try and edit out all the gross sounds that I can. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Anyway, in my sickness... I've been uh, I've been watching a lot of sports YouTube documentaries uh, that are made by uh, Secret Base, and then there's subsection called Dorktown. It's two guys, Alex Rubenstein and John Boyce, and they make these uh, data-driven documentaries, uh, such as like the history of the Falcons, the history of the Vikings, the the Atlanta Falcons, Minnesota Vikings and the history of the Seattle Mariners. And then they have uh, shorter documentaries, but those three are all like seven parters. Um, the football ones especially are like an hour each. The Vikings one is like nine hours total. Um, and they do this really interesting thing where they put all the data into, they make it visual. So they have like a grid where, you know, every team is on it and, you know, every box is a year and they either go up or down based on winning or losing. And it gets higher and higher if they don't win a Super Bowl. And if they do win a Super Bowl, then their line gets smaller. And I know none of this makes sense, but the point is like the Vikings has this huge mountain because they've never won a Super Bowl. And it's just this intense documentary that's just so much information. That's like, and not, I mean, it's like, there, there's so many moments of like deep feeling and them kind of selling you on the idea of what they're talking about. But there's also just mixed in with just hardcore, just like this, this, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And it's funny because I played sports my whole life growing up from like, whatever, first grade to 12th grade. I was never great. Well, not 12th, 10th. I, I think I got... I think I quit cross country and shit in like junior, sophomore year, but, um, I played sports all the time. I never watched them a lot though. I just never watched, I don't know, for some reason I just couldn't get into it. And I never had like a football team as a kid cause LA didn't have a football team and I never gravitated to like the Raiders or anything. Now I like the Raiders cause I watch football. I, that's like the kind of the team I've chose and makes the most sense to me to like, um, because the Rams and the Chargers, I just don't, I don't really give a fuck about them. And I don't feel like they're LA's teams. Anyway, so I'm not like acquainted with this like secondhand knowledge that all sports guys have. Or it's weird because you'll ask a guy, you'll be like, hey, you into sports? And he's like, a little bit. And then he'll like know who like the second string quarterback on a football team he doesn't give a fuck about is and and where that guy went to college and what his strengths are. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's just, and it's just like this like lifetime of just sort of having like sports center or things on in the background that they just have an affinity to programs that give them information about current sports stuff. So like, I like the Raiders, you know, I know like you got like Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacobs and Max Crosby and I can't even name anyone. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't even know who the fucking coach is. Like, I, I just know that they're not a great team, that they've been a great team 
They haven't been a good team for a while, and I just like the I like their energy. I know that when they lose, it's funny, and when they win, it's funny, and they're just not like a nor. They don't behave like a normal team. Like they're losers, but they don't act like losers. You know what I mean? It's like that's what I like about the team. And sports guys, fucking, they don't want to talk about that at all. So like. It's, I don't know, I'm with my friends and there's all these like sh- just shit that they just know secondhand. And I just shut up because nobody wants to hear my opinions on sports because my opinions on sports are shit like that I think Kirk Cousins is a nice guy. And I don't even, I, the Vikings are not my team, but I'd like them to win a Super Bowl just because I think Kirk Cousins would be nice if he won a Super Bowl. And he's not even the, by far, he's not even near the most well-liked Viking. He's mostly disliked, I think. But it's funny because it's like, I, so I kind of have no knowledge on sports. But then I'll like watch these really in-depth documentaries. Like now I'm on to the history of the Seattle Mariners. So I retain 20 to 30% of it. There's so much information passing through my head when I watch these documentaries that I really don't pick up a lot. But it's very funny because it's like all know nothing about sports and then also have like deep knowledge of certain things that only guys that are overly obsessed with sports would know. Like I now know that the 1977 Atlanta Falcons defense was one of, if not the greatest defenses ever in the NFL. I also know that that defense was thwarted the very next year when people kind of figured out how to how to fuck with that defense. The point is, I know that. I don't know shit about the Falcons' record this season. I think their quarterback is Desmond Ritter. I know they got Youngway Koo. I really don't know anyone else. Like, I think... Yeah, I have no fucking idea. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's it's shit like that where I'm I'm kind of, I don't fit into any sports conversation because there's guys that just have this like back forth secondhand knowledge. Like, how do you think they're going to be this season? Well, because him, he's prone to this and we've seen him, you know how he was last year and blah, blah, blah. We all know this. And it's like this thing of essentially all sports guy conversations are just back and forth being like, well, we all know that, of course, but we all know this. We all know this. We all know this. And then I just come in with being like, in the 1977, I mean, undisputable defense. And they're like, well, okay. That is information on the team we're talking about. But it serves more as a fun fact. And I don't know what to do with what you just said at all. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But also it's like, I, I, I know that I will never actually give that much of a fuck about sports like I don't think I'll ever really be emotional over the Raiders which would mean I'm not a real fan I'm a fan but like I don't think I'd ever cry or be pissed now then again you put the Raiders in a Super Bowl against you know a team i don't like that is good 
I don't know what that would be, though. I kind of like all the teams that are good. But, you know, you put the Raiders in a Super Bowl after five more years of me watching them, maybe I'll sing a different tune. But frankly, I'm very glad to have the sports knowledge that I have because I think it makes watching sports a lot more fun where there are guys like all of my friends that they read the stats and the injury reports and the, the everything. They know everything going into the game. They know what every game means. They know what the team needs to do. They know where they're lacking. They know who has the better offense or defense. They know everything going on, so they're just trying to see all of these data points get played out. I go in going, the Raiders are going to play the Chargers. I assume the Chargers are a little better than the Raiders. Not by a crazy amount, but a little better. Let's see what the Raiders do. And then I watch them probably lose. And at the end I go, well, that was interesting. And that's fucking it. You know, meanwhile, people are like, I knew he was going to blow up or I had a 75 leg parlay. Whatever, you know, it's like. It's too involved, you know? My friend Will, great guy. One time I saw, he loves the Bengals. One time the Bengals won, and he was still unhappy, which a lot of Bengals fans would go, well, yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, like they won, and he was like, well, they're not going to be able to pay these players next season, and then we're going to lose this, and the whole dynasty's going to go down. We're not going to have another chance at a Super Bowl for, like, ever again you know as a whole and I was just I was just like I ah, you know too much you just know too much I think to enjoy football or, or probably any sport it requires a certain amount of ignorance about the sport as a whole and your own team and the way things work to the point that you know you show up like I showed up this season I didn't know shit I, I found out Jimmy Garoppolo was on the team like the first day of the season. I was like, oh, wow, he's the new quarterback. You know, I didn't find that out like three months before and then like watch videos of him in practice to see how his arm is. You know, like I didn't do any of that. So it's like, you know, you just kind of let everything go just behind the curtain and you just focus on just I just like watching the game. Like, how is the game going to go? I can't. I'm not a fucking coach. I don't need to read the statistics about everybody and, hey, this this 13-year-old is going to go to this high school, which usually feeds to this college, and a lot of Alabama guys go to the Eagles, so maybe in 10 years we'll get the, you know, it's like, what the fuck? But I don't know. I mean, I do get it. I don't think it's stupid. I think it's just a pastime like any other. I, I think learning and reading the stats and listening to the podcast, it's just a pastime like any other. It's It's not... You know, I don't think it's really how some people might describe it as like, well, I got to know about my team. I got to know all these things. I don't, I don't think it's really for like a defined purpose. I, th I think they just enjoy it. Um, but you don't really see the enjoyment, you know, kind of like golfing. Like as a whole, I would say I like golf. But if you saw me on a golf course, you'd be like, this guy doesn't like golf. Which I think is just a common thing for most men's activities where Many people, especially women, look at the activities and they go, do they like it? And the guy will get like wildly offended. And they're like, yeah, I like it. Are you kidding me? 
the fuck makes you think I don't like this? And they're like, well, you're mad. Like, you're upset right now. But I think it's, it's you know, it's just the thing that that exists in everybody. I think men sort of hold it closer to us as, like, kind of our thing, even though it's not our thing. I think we just, we pride ourselves on doing it more. Is, is we almost like the risk of, like, well, if this doesn't go well, I'm going to want to kill myself. But if it does go well, I will feel free and powerful and... I feel like I have efficacy for like 10 minutes because the rest of my week is not making enough money, not being jacked, not being tall enough, not having this, not having that, feeling like an utter fucking loser. But by following these teams and more so by following a guy like Jalen Hurts, a 24-year-old that can squat 600 pounds almost won a Super Bowl, probably will win one within the next five years. I can kind of, like those tiny fish do that eat off a shark, I can kind of get a drop of his glory and 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 at least fool myself into feeling like I inhabit a similar space for a short enough time that'll that'll keep me from wanting to kill myself. Like if I can create a beautiful fantasy team and I can win the league, I can pretend and thus make real. I can, I can pretend that I know what it feels like to win a Super Bowl. I.e., I know what it feels like to have efficacy and to be a man, to dominate when really you just kind of went like click, 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 and then you read a bunch and you were, you know, it was a real bitch shit. You didn't do anything. So I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, I think there is a certain level of sports fandom to me that is, even as a guy that fucks guys, too fucking gay to be involved with, where it's just like all these guys kind of hitching their identities and their coattails and their happiness to the success of other men. And part of that to me is just like, ew. Like, you gotta have your own thing. And then you gotta watch the guys on TV and view it as them doing their thing. And you have a preference as to how you would like the game to go because it's your team. But when it comes to sharing in the happiness or or like kind of... You know, like just the way I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it's stupid to be happy when your team wins. I do think it's stupid to be cocky because that's just, those guys did that with or without you. So you can't qualify anything about yourself. You can be happy because that's the team you like and they won and a good thing happened to a thing you like. But when it comes to like, you know, like Yankee fans being like, we're the fucking best, it's, you know, and this is well-trotted territory, obviously. But, yeah, there's just something about it that's just like, I, I don't know, I think you have to get your own self-satisfaction and feeling of efficacy and confidence and feeling like you are a person that can do things and leave their stamp on the world. You have to do that yourself in your own life. And you cannot rely on sports to give you a quasi version of that because you can, you know, kind of fool yourself. It's the same as like playing a video game and winning 
you know, if you want to make an easier example, it's like winning the Super Bowl in Madden. You know, it's like you did it, but you didn't really do it. It's a game. It's not real, you know. And I don't have a lot of efficacy right now. I'm I'm still like a real piece of shit, just 24-year-old. I don't have a good work ethic. I need to build that up, you know. But the hope is that I can keep working, build up a successful stand-up career, have a, a life that I enjoy and am proud of, and then can watch football in the way of kind of like, I'm doing my thing, now I'll watch the boys I like do their thing, and then if they lose, like the Raiders have been ought to for years, it's like, well, fuck it. That's their thing. That's not my problem that they lost. You know what I mean? I think it's, you know, there's... Like, there's a reason... I'm not saying every huge sports fan is a loser. But I'm saying humongous losers are the most likely to be very cocky, shitty sports fan. You know what I mean? Like, like the most... Like, the most cocky, shitty sports fan probably is not, like, a partner at a huge law firm. You know what I mean? There's a reason those guys, really successful guys with their own lives that do their own things, are, like, not great sports fans. And why they always kind of seem like fair weather and why they'll, like, show up to a football game with a shirt that just says, like, NFL. And it's just because they don't, they don't even, they they can't even imagine attaching so much of themselves to the game. Meanwhile, some guy that like works the graveyard shift at a Jiffy Lube is like, you know, I'm the, I'm the Black Knight. And then he shows up to Raiders games and he's like, has his own character, you know, um, and in one way you can look at that and you you know you can say that that's you know that's that's fine and that's that guy's one thing and maybe in many ways he didn't have as much control over his life as the rich people in the world did very often you know that's true and maybe that's just all this guy has you know what i mean um and in a similar sense you could be like yeah that guy's a fucking loser i think you can kind of say two things at the same time i think you are kind of saying both when you say either of them you know, like I think when people are like, well, it's nice. That's, that's the one thing that guy has. It's like, that's not really a sympathetic thing to say about somebody. You know, it's not like, like if somebody's like, don't make fun of him. That's his thing. It's like, you're almost making fun of that person by saying that. Cause you're saying like, this guy's a fucking loser. He has nothing else but this. So be nice to him. It's like, you weren't very nice in your defense of him. I don't know what the, any of this conversation means anymore, but, um, yeah, I don't know. There's so many interesting things about sports and especially football. Um, but a lot of the stuff that interests me doesn't necessarily involve like the score and the stats and things like that. Like, just the fact that it's not a round ball, there's, like, so much left up to chance, and yet so many people ascribe so much to what happens to that ball, and just, you know, you'll watch the game, things you see on the sidelines, and fights that happen, and 
the way people act in certain situations and the plays people will call, you know, and oh, they're wearing a new uniform. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like in a way, I'm, I feel like a guy's girlfriend watching football because I'm, I'm interested in almost everything other than like the the downright stats of the game. Like obviously like I watch the I watch the Raiders and shit. I want the Raiders to win the game. And if they don't, I'm like that sucks. But like while I'm watching, I'm I'm not like, "Oh, come on, stop running the cover 2 offense. You guys did this last week." I don't know what the fuck kind of sorry, defense to the stop yourselves haters. I know it's a defense. I don't know what kind of fucking defense the Raiders run at all. I have no idea. They strike me as a man kind of, you know, man-to-man kind of shit, man cover, you know. Seems like that would be their kind of thing, but I don't know. Like, I like Max Crosby on the Raiders. I assume he's pretty good at his job because he's been there for a while and he seems to get a lot of tackles and break the line a lot. But really, I just like him because I look at him. He's a pasty white guy with all black tattoos. He's a ginger. He just seems like devious. And I look at him and I go, that is a guy that only belongs on the Raiders. You put the guy in the Kansas City Chiefs, he's too evil. He doesn't belong there. He belongs on the Raiders. He doesn't need to be on a team that wins the Super Bowl. He's right where he needs to be. That's what I like about Max Crosby and and the Raiders. And that's, frankly, why I could never be the coach of an NFL football team. Which, I know that's surprising to hear from you guys. I know we were all thinking, of course you could coach an NFL football. But, you know, that's the thing. is like, I'm just like, vibes-wise, I look at Max and I'm like, that guy should totally be on the Raiders. In some way, I feel like maybe they should consult me. They should... They should have me go through the draft, look at everybody, watch a couple highlights, meet them, hear about them, maybe hear some interviews with them, and I'll be like, that's a Raider. And they'll be like, we don't need a defensive end, though. And I'm like, but that fucking guy, that's such, his name is, his name is like Darius Silas. Like, that's a Raiders. Like, he's, put him on the fucking team. Like, we need a quarterback. I'm like, well, all these quarterbacks are like, super sweet guys and it just doesn't fit and they're not going to like it here and you're not going to win any games with them and then you're going to have them for four years you're going to trade them and then they're going to go win like six Super Bowls somewhere else and everybody's going to call you guys idiots because you're going to like trade them so you can get a couple draft picks that you're just going to like squander again like fuck it just take this guy but that's not how how the draft is done or the game is played or how anybody wants anything to happen. And, you know, I, I've accepted that uh, I'm probably not going to have much of a coaching career in the NFL. Much of. I could see me, you know, being a defensive coordinator for the Browns in a couple of years. I'm already in talks with people. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I get it. Anyway, um, I'm going to do some editing on this episode, so it's hopefully not too annoying to listen to. Um, I turned up the volume so much that maybe it'll be unusable. I don't know. But anyway, uh, if you did tune in and you did listen and you made it till the end, uh, once again, as always, uh, I'll see you next week and I love you so much.